Fasten your seatbelt. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car already did. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I am the monster the breathing men would kill. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. I go out of my way for you. I do everything to try and make you happy. I feed you, I clean you, I dress you, and what thanks do I get? I am so, so sorry. Oh, you're fucked. Oh, you're fucked. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now, I must shed innocent blood. Dinner is served. Save yourself from hell. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. <laughs> Yes, it is the 30-something movie podcast, and it is the first week of October. Horror Holy month. buckets, I got my... I'm, I'm telling you, man, I'm turning the lights up. I'm yeah. a little nervous. That's a scary intro. A little scary. A little scary. Um, a little scary. I keep seeing a bunch of people are posting things up. I, I've joined a couple of groups on Facebook and Reddit and a few other places on, like, when, when new 4K discs come out and apparently the 4k of the exorcist has just come out mm. so i was, oh I was oh like hmm, is that one i need to own or is that one i just go find somewhere and watch and do i need to see vomiting pea green soup in 4k sure why not? i mean eighth grade lunch you know I... uh, well touche sir 2g mm. exactly yes, yes. All right, everybody, it is the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed, and I've got with me a couple of scary gentlemen this evening. Patrick Canigallo, how you doing? I'm okay, John. I'm okay. Doing all right? Just, just all right. Got a little bit of news today, and okay. it's a little bit tough. A little, little news wearing you down? Yeah. I, I, My car, the one car I've owned, Yeah. the one car I've bought, Sans my grandmother's car that I, I bought off her in college. So technically my second car, but the one car that I bought coming out of college, yeah. she's, how old is she now? She's 18 years old. Okay. 219,000 miles. Okay. And I think I had to go in for a little bit of TLC. I kind of neglected the tires. When I looked at the maintenance logs, I realized I think I ran the tires a little bit. Yeah. Because you know how you're supposed to stick the little penny and see Abraham Lincoln's head? Yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, you know that trick? Okay, well, when I reached around to find where the grooves were in the tire, <clears throat> I couldn't find them. So, the, yeah, ran the tires a little bit down. But anyways, took it in just for some tires and checked some other stuff. And... Pat, they say oftentimes you know, that I, pets that pets and their owners start to resemble each other, but you and your tires started to resemble each other. Yeah, I I think so, and I'm very sad to say I think we've crossed the line at this point. Where do we start? Keep money into that car or put money into a new vehicle? Yeah. So oh, wow. So. so so the thing is, we're we're gonna get it up and running because I mean we're not like ready to go out and buy a car. I mean, 
I'm ready to go out and buy a car. Well, yeah, yeah. My bank account's not ready to buy a car, but I, so, so we've got some time. I think we're going to buy, it's going to buy us some time. The car will still be going and all that, but okay. I think we're, we're kind of looking at the, the end of an era. So. Yeah. So the, the Mirth Mobile is, Mirth Mobile is headed over the Rainbow Bridge. It's, I think it's going to, you know, and whatever, whatever it's going to, it's going to have another life and it's going to, all that kind of stuff. And. And I, I'm telling myself, okay, it's a car. You shouldn't be emotionally attached and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's a little bit sobering news. I mean, things at 18 years old, I've been driving it around. Right. It was my first car, my only car I've ever bought. So I don't even know how you buy cars anymore. Do yeah. people still buy cars now? Or how does that even work? I don't even know. So Not easily lately. So, well, and that's the thing is that this kind of has been coming the last couple of years, but with the used market so inflated, it's kind of been like, no, let's just keep this running until, but yeah, but it's an exciting well, time. I mean, yeah. it's with the changes in vehicles and the options out there and all that kind of fun stuff. So we're, we're going to look at the fun, but, but that's little, kind of, that's kind sad of, news. that was the news we got today. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit of sad news. Well, you tell, you tell Tammy, if you need any help with anything, she can call me and I'll, I'll tell you a whole story about your car going to a farm upstate. Okay. To play, I would, to I think play that with, would be great. To play with other cars. Yes. I yeah. think, I think that would be great. Okay. I think that would be great. All right. Bo, how are you doing? Good. 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 I, my car so far is working. So Good. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Good. That's awesome, man. Uh, to, to plug another podcast, this will give away when we're recording this tomorrow, Bo, we are going to go share our embarrassment. We are. Oh, this is super exciting. I need my pain. <laughs> I've got enough at this point. I'll share with anybody that wants some. So <laughs> Anybody wants some? <laughs> my, my embarrassment runs deep. Mm. So. I'm just uh. saying the whole lead-in for that. This is a story about boldly going to the center of the galaxy to shoot photon torpedoes at God. Uh-huh. I just, I I, that's like, a, I got to pull the car. I don't care how many times I've heard it. It still makes me laugh. That is, that is so good funny. stuff. It is I, such good stuff. And I don't have, I actually don't have a Star Trek t-shirt or anything like that I can wear, but I can probably pull off a scarf dance. If, oh, if I need man. to go dressed as Uhura. Oh, now that's something. Yeah, I was trying to come up with something I could wear, and the only thing I could think of was at one point in my life, I had a Star Trek tie clip. I don't know where it is, and I'm not wearing a tie, yeah. so that's a problem. Okay. I do have a Star Trek watch. I just don't think it fits my wrist, but. I have a I have a pin that I could wear. Like it's like a twenty fifth anniversary or fortieth anniversary. Oh like, yeah. Insignia badge or something. Yeah. I could do that. I gotta find it though. That's the problem. It might be yeah. in with Donna's jewelry. That's I almost possible. I almost decided to just like make my own t shirt before we went, but then I looked at how expensive it was gonna be to print one t shirt for something. Uh-huh. And because uh, I had sent them, you guys might not be caught up to this point, but Greatest Generation is the podcast we're talking about. And they have an, they were talking about an episode of Star Trek Voyager. And it was an episode where they were, it was Borg children. And so they were talking about the Borgs. They were talking about Borg fetuses and they kept calling them beatuses. Oi. And so then that devolved into a whole thing with Wilford Brimley. As it does. As it does. And so I, I created a, I created a graphic 
and I sent it to them, and it was a cartoon image of Wilfred Brimley holding a baby Borg, and it just said Betus across the top. And that is uh, outstanding. And I shared that with them, and and the card daddy retweeted it out, or reposted it, or reexed it, or whatever we call it now. Um, That's so cool. And so yeah, it, it it got a lot of traction on there, and I thought, you know what, maybe I'll maybe I'll make a Betus T-shirt. And that then, would be awesome. And then my wallet shared my embarrassment when I saw how much it would cost to make one T-shirt mm-hmm. that quickly, and I'm like, ah, that's okay. I'll just I'll remember it. Yeah. So, but excited about that. <sighs> well, like it was it was fun could, going last year, and it, it'll be fun going this year. You could go uh, just beat us. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty funny. That's true. I could. That'd be easy enough. But yeah, excited for that. So it'll be it'll be a good time. I think I think you guys are uh, going to have a lot of fun, and I I wish I could go with you. I think that's I think that sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear the report and hear the stories and and hopefully join you guys next time. If they if they give away a free horgon, I'll grab one for you. Uh, hey man, that's friendship right there. Uh-huh. That is that's touching another horgon. <laughs> oh man, hold on. <laughs> oh boy. That's extraordinary. <laughs> what would you like to do next? Oh, There's the drop. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, after you touch another man's gorgon, what do you do next? Uh, I mean, really. Shower. Dream yes. Weaver. Oh, my God. So, this podcast has ruined that song for me. <laughs> Oh. It came on the radio the other day, and I started laughing. I was dying. No one understands why I'm laughing. I'm just like I. I just I need a minute. I'll be right with you. <laughs> Every, everything makes you think of Pat. Pretty much. So so just so, just imagine, Bo. The next time you go bowling and they play Dreamweaver, you've got two things in your head. And like oh. I said, this podcast is just. So I, I just I should. I should probably say this now. I was talking to some students. Our our colleague, Mr. Mazuka, has plugged our podcast with the student body. Yes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And it was <laughs> in the back of my mind, I'm like, I can Okay. Cool. Cool. But cool. Do, do we do we want to be advertising? Like, do we maybe? I'm just I'm not sure on this yeah, one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 So the other so the other day in a, in a lesson it was a bunch of eighth graders and it was like yeah Mr. C do you still have your podcast what's the name of that podcast hey and Rob was like oh yeah yeah I'm trying to th-. and then Woodkid goes yeah actually my parents listen to you guys <laughs> I think they've enjoyed it was what he said and that was my reaction I'm like oh okay. your parents are listening to us okay. oh, oh I'm just like which one what what movies have they listened to guys that's great so anyway <laughs> and and and. Could they possibly even movies I wasn't there to talk about or something? Oh my, that's I'm just like, I'm just like, okay, well, I haven't gotten any phone calls. Okay, Jen, my colleague, is usually really good with like the social media, so she gives me a heads up if something's flying around there. Okay, I think I'm safe. (laughs) Let's. Okay, so your folks, all right, yeah, I think they've listened to some of yours. They say it's pretty good. I was like, oh, okay, well, thank you. Okay. Good, good to know. Good to know. Great. Oh, man. Well, we're not oh. here to talk about the future of America and the future of society. We're here to talk about fire in the sky. Fire. We're here to talk about fiery alien abductions in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. 
Because if you were an alien, where would you go to find your people? Sure. Cow pastures. The middle of the woods, of course. Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of one of the things is even before, even before I saw this movie, which was this last week, I remember, I, I remember like being fascinated by the whole alien abduction thing. I remember watching episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. I remember watching, I love the X-Files when the, and the X-Files was around this time. So clearly there was something in the water with all the TV and movie producers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I mean, I think it just, it's something that has always fascinated people and just there's a lot of a lot of interesting things that that keep popping up like i know but you think oh yeah it's 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 all a hoax it's all all totally fake fabricated and yet then you have like government agencies created by governments around the world to investigate these type of things and i'm like okay well number one then maybe it's not nothing like if there's some unexplained stuff out there, then people are putting things together to try to investigate it. But then the second thing that kind of reminds me that it could still all be a hoax is, oh, governments are setting up something. So <laughs> that's because they're good at using money. So. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. I, it was very much in vogue at this time because yeah. I remember that too. I, and, and again, it was all just that. This the unsolved mystery statement, just an air of just enough. What is the word credence? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'm using words that I don't know what they mean. They, they they give it enough. They give enough credence to it that it's like, okay, maybe this is. And I just remember that was all over the place, right? In all the in all the pop culture, just in the zeitgeist of the time. I think the alien abductions when this movie came out was a thing. Wasn't and and wasn't this around the time that they also had? I feel like that was maybe later in the nineties, mid nineties, maybe. Was the alien autopsy fact or fiction mm-hmm. TV special Hosted they did? by our very own that. Tom Frakes? Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, so there was that, and then later in the nineties, you had more alien movies. You had Independence Day. You know, so yeah, there's X Files was huge. In the 90s. So, yeah, it's it's captured people's attention. So our question tonight will be, did this movie capture your attention? So very quickly, yeah, we spoil freely here. So just this is pretty much your only, war- only warning. Go to our website, 30podcast.com. You leave a rating, a voicemail. You could become a co-executive producer via Patreon and get all kinds of bonus content over there, as well as maybe join us on the show. Let's see. I think... This is the first week of this month, so we are going to head back in time real quickly. Are you guys ready to hop in the DeLorean? Let's do it. Did you bring some garbage for Mr. Fusion? I brought some garbage for Mr. Fusion. If nothing else, then you hear that awesome drop. I don't know. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... All right, the top news for October of 1993. October 8th, Howard Stern releases his first book, Private Parts. You guys ever, ever read that one? I did not. No. I have not read it. I, have not I read saw it. the movie. Okay, I have not seen the movie. I have not read it. October, October, tw- October. that's <laughs> a new way of saying October that I just made up right now. October, <laughs> yeah. October 29th, The Sign is a single released in Europe by the band Ace of Base. 
Have you seen the sign? Once or I twice. Saw the sign. It opened up your it eyes. Opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Uh, some births in the month of October, October 8th. Bubba Wallace, American NASCAR racer, was born in Mobile, Alabama. October 31st was Letitia Wright, the English actress who was in Black Panther, was born in Georgetown, Guyana. Then we had actually quite a few big famous deaths. We had Vincent Price. Yeah, I see. I've got my list here. Vincent Price, House on Haunted Hill, Fly, Laura, died of lung cancer at age 82. So did you guys watch a lot of Vincent Price movies growing up? I, I don't think so. No, not many, but you still know Vincent Price. You know, you you think you can see it was, someone says Vincent Price, and you can see the image in your head. He just has a a presence when he is on screen, so mm-hmm. I think he's very memorable. Yeah. But when I look at his filmography, no, I haven't seen a lot of them. Okay. But what I have seen, I remember. And there's a couple. He's sneaky. He shows up in a couple. You don't really realize it. And you're like. Oh, yeah, that was him. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> yeah. I remember I would catch some on TV from time to time. I would always, of course, as a little kid, I was a huge fan of the Thriller video. So I knew him. I recognized his voice from that video. So I knew him as the Thriller guy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, then from time to time, you'd catch a movie of his on TV. I've seen The Mask of the Red Death. I've seen The Fly. I've seen a couple of his other ones. But, yeah, no, it's I, I have not seen as many as I would like. I want to go back at some point and watch some more of those. Also in October, October 31st, actually both of these on October 31st of 93, the Italian film director and screenwriter Federico Fellini, four-time Oscar winner, died of a heart attack on Halloween Day 1993. And then another one, quite a bit younger, 23, 23-year-old American actor River Phoenix. He was in Stand By Me and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He died of a drug overdose on October 31st, 1993. Let's see. Top sports. October 6th, after nine seasons and three championships with the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan announces his retirement from the NBA. He will ultimately return on March 18th, 1995 and lead the Bulls to another three NBA titles. October 26, 1993, the NFL announces a new expansion team, the Carolina Panthers, in Charlotte. Top book. I feel like the Bridges of Madison County has been the top book for the entire year, this year. Yeah, it was a big deal. I yeah. know that. Yeah, it's it's still the top book in October. Top movies. There was a plethora of top movies. I think each week in October had a different movie that was number one. Let's see. We have Malice. We have Demolition Man. We have the Beverly Hillbillies. And we have the Nightmare Before Christmas. And then top song. I believe this one's been the top song for the last month or two at least. Dream Lover by Mariah Carey was top song in October of 93. All right. In our episodes, we kind of break it down. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I, I believe it was October 3rd and 4th, was called several things, but the Battle of Mogadishu, oh, yeah, Day yeah. of the Ranger, it's become known as the Black Hawk Down incident, and I, yes. I think it was the, the largest sustained combat and some of the highest U.S. casualty, casualty rate, rates in one battle since the, the Vietnam War, Okay, and it was, the, it was in Mogadishu, Somalia, and yes. the U.S. had sent... <clears throat> soldiers in to because it was a humanitarian crisis and so forth and it was one of those that a lot of the forces that were involved i believe were 
covert and obviously there's been a movie and a book and mm-hmm. well several books that have kind of brought it into pop culture and it was one of those that it was shocking because my understanding is like a lot of the the everyday public really didn't know exactly what was going on until all of a sudden there were pictures of u.s service personnel you know their bodies being dragged through the streets and so forth and I remember being very shocking and, and that kind of coming out. So, yeah, that was the whole Black Hawk Down incident was October of 93. Yeah. 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 Good catch. So not to be not to be a, a downer with all the exciting movie news and everything else going on and, and that. But just to mark that somber anniversary as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, our trivia pursuit section. This we give you a little bit of background info on the movie, and then from there we give you the trailer audio. We kind of talk through the major moments of the movie. We try to kind of break it down into maybe like ten or so major moments to help you walk through the plot. If you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, and then we've got a little bit of trivia as well before we get into our deeper thoughts. So this one came out on March twelfth of ninety three, rated PG thirteen. One hour, 49 minutes, directed by Robert Lieberman, who did D3, The Mighty Ducks, and Table for Five. Writers were Travis Walton, who the who wrote the book and went through this experience, and Tracy Torme did the screenplay. Walton, I don't think Walton had any other writing that he did other than this book. Tracy Torme wrote for a bunch of different sci-fi shows, wrote for Star Trek The Next Generation, wrote for, actually created the TV series Sliders. Sliders. Sorry, had to do that. And let's see, producers on this one were Joe Wizen or Wizen and Todd Black. Joe did Troop Beverly Hills and Only the Lonely. Todd Black did The Pursuit of Happiness and The Equalizer. Composer was Mark Isham, who did A River Runs Through It and Crash. Cinematographer was Bill Pope, did The Matrix and Baby Driver. Editor was Steve Merkovich, who did Con Air and The Patriot. Production company was Paramount. Budget $15 million. Box office, $19.9 million. Cinema score gives it a B-. Flickmetrics gives it a 55%. D.B. Sweeney played Travis Walton. He was in The Cutting Edge and Eight Men Out. Robert Patrick, Mike Rogers, uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Copland. Craig Sheffer played Alan Dallas. He was in A River Runs Through It and Nightbreed. Peter Berg played David Whitlock. He was in Collateral and Very Bad Things. Henry Thomas was Greg Hayes. He was in E.T., The Extraterrestrial, and Legends of the Fall. Bradley Gregg played Bobby Codgel. He was in Stand By Me and A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Noble Willingham, who died in 2004, played Blake Davis. He was in Good Morning Vietnam and City Slickers. Kathleen Wilhoyt played Katie Rogers. She was in Roadhouse and Murphy's Law. James Garner, who died in 2014, was Lieutenant Frank Waters. He was in The Great Escape and Maverick. Georgia Emelin played Dana Rogers. She was in Good Advice and Animal Instincts. Scott McDonald was Dan Walton. He was in Jack Frost and Jarhead. And Wayne Grace played Cyrus Gilson. He was in Under Siege and Armageddon. So a little bit of trivia on this one real quick. There are some differences, but I have not read the book, but there are differences between the movie's portrayal of this abduction and significantly different is his own account, you know, where he talks about the aliens looking differently than they ended up looking in the movie and some of the events being differently, being featured differently. And he, he tried to, he, I think Walton was excited to get this movie made. And then when things, you know, skewed off from what he thought it was going to be, then I think he wasn't very happy about it. I did read that some of the differences were things like the aliens. uh, There was a point in which the aliens, the aliens looked a little bit different. There was also a point in which he was able to, 
kind of get away from the aliens and ended up in a room where he could see other stars and other galaxies. And, and he wasn't strapped to a table. He was sitting in a chair and he was able to break free of the chair. And then at some point, a human looking person found him like a, a human that had like a space helmet on and took him to a room where there were other humans. And like, there, there's a whole other very different account, very, very different than the alien spaceship account we get when we get to that scene in this movie. So Let's see, director Robert Lieberman said the alien abduction sequence came to him in a series of dreams over the course of eight months as he was developing the movie. Yikes. Yeah, I bet they did. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe <laughs> cut down on the spicy food if that's what you're dreaming. How yeah, about it? Yeah. Oh, man. That's like the, I'm, I'm, I'm calling that scene the sadistic saran wrap scene because that's just, <laughs> it was disturbing. I like that. <laughs> it was disturbing. Yeah. Let's see. Originally, they did not want to cast D.B. Sweeney. They only had a few days to the start of shooting, and so the role of Travis Walton had not been cast. The CEO of Paramount Pictures stepped in and basically told him, look, you're casting D.B. Sweeney or the movie is going to be canceled. So didn't really have much of a choice there. One of the other things in here that I thought was kind of interesting is D.B. Sweeney has said that he was very excited about working with ILM when they were managing the effects for Fire in the Sky, and he was particularly excited about the whole kind of weightless scene where he was going to be doing a lot of mm -hmm. wire work because at the time, James Cameron actually had the rights to a Spider-Man movie. And D.B. Sweeney was convinced that if he could do a great job on this wire work floating around in the zero gravity space part of it, that he was a shoe in for the part of Spider-Man in James Cameron's Spider-Man movie. Needless to say, that did not happen because James Cameron did not make a Spider-Man movie and did not, you know, obviously he did not end up auditioning for that. There you go. The other fun point in here, I already kind of pointed out with the cast part of it, and this was very intentional. The reason that he is in this movie is, is kind of a little bit of an inside joke, but Henry Thomas is one of the workers in this movie, one of the friends of Travis Walton, and he was Elliot in E.T., the extraterrestrial. That was not a mistake that he ended up in this movie. I guarantee, had E.T. been one of these aliens, that movie would have been very different. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a big difference between what we saw and ouch. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more like big ouch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, all right, in a world where the unknown lurks above, Travis Walton is about to face the unimaginable. When strange visitors start abducting humans, will the survivor's stories ever be believed? Prepare for the extraordinary journey of fire in the sky. How does it think? What makes it move? Why does it breathe? Questions anyone would ask about a man if they'd never seen one before. So for five days, a man was borrowed. Travis Walton and five other witnesses told was so unbelievable, so unimaginable, that it has become the most famous case of UFO abduction ever reported. 
All right. Major moments for this one. In Snowflake, Arizona, the logger Travis Walton and his co-workers head to work in the White Mountains on November 5th, 1975. While driving home from the job site, the loggers encounter an unidentified flying object, which, did you know, okay, science has got to stop messing with me here. Because not only is Pluto not a planet anymore, like we're, we're changing all that stuff. Did you know they're not UFOs anymore? I had heard this. Yeah, what do they call them now? They're Unidentified called, aerial phenomena. Yeah, they're called UAP. Mm-hmm. Which is already, no. I, I don't know how I feel about that because... The last, but the P is phenomena. You know that's going to bother some people who can't spell. That it's a yeah. that it's a P, but it has the F sound. And the, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> it needed to be said. Yeah. Phenomena. Yeah. That's. I can't wait to. We're going to run that joke into the ground once we get to 1995 and we do the John Travolta movie Phenomena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Phenomena. Phenomena. Yeah, UAPs is what they're called now. So, I don't UAPs. Know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm going to get that confused with a Middle Eastern country or something cuz Yeah. It's too close to UAE and No. I, oh, I hadn't even UAG. thought about that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And aren't aren't drones UAVs? Yep. Could be. It's just I don't know. It's UFOs. Don't mess with it. All right, why why mess with a good thing, man? Yeah. This is what I'd like to know. People are always trying to mess things up. Why not? So anyway, they identify, I'm, I'm going to call it a UFO. They encounter mm. a UFO. A curious Travis approaches the object, which you never do. Right. They do all the wrong things right. in this movie. Like, there's a few times yeah. where you're just like, come on, man. Right. Like, fire in your brain. Stay in the truck. Right. I don't understand. Yeah. The, well, this is the, just not hard. Yeah. These are the people that like run back into the house where the killer is. Mm-hmm. Don't go in there. <laughs> come on. Guys. I mean, when did this movie come out? When was it made? 93. 93. Right. Yeah. Cause we yeah. Okay. But the, yeah. the incident, well, well, the incident was supposed to be 1975. Incident. Right. Okay. So I would say, wait, when was alien? Alien 79. Okay. All right. Still early yeah. for that yet. No, people should know better. Yeah. You think just run away mm-hmm. and look from afar. I, I don't know. I agree. And, I agree with you. And if you really think about it, that shows how the aliens are really probably not all that smart because look who they abducted. Mm-hmm. True. They, they want to get a sample of humanity, but they abduct the one that chooses to get out of the truck. You're not not getting it. As Macho Man Randy Savage said, as Macho Man Randy Savage said, it's that's not the cream that's rising to the top. So, (laughs) isn't it what wasn't it the Kazon were the only species that the Borg didn't want to try to assimilate? Because it's just like there's nothing. Right. It like it would be a yeah. (laughs) It'd be like a negative gain. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be be a net loss. Yeah. It's the only time the Borg have gone like. No thanks. That's just that's yeah, it's okay. Resist it. You guys could try to resist if you want to. I've... Resistance is unnecessary. Because why don't really... you guys go ahead and resist? Why don't you just just feel free? We'll we'll be over here. Yeah. Uh, believing Travis to be dead, the horrified loggers flee. Upon returning shortly after, he is nowhere to be found. 
Uh, they report the incident to Sheriff Blake Davis, and Lieutenant Frank Waters is met uh, with skepticism, especially targeting Dallas because he's got a bit of a criminal history, and he's, he's a bit of a bad boy. Uh, some fun things about that, I was listening to some of the commentary on this movie, and the actor who played Dallas, which I, Craig Sheffer, I know him most from the football movie that we watched over and over and over again in high school called The Program. <laughs> um, okay. That is, that is where I know him most, but he was also in A River Runs Through It, and he apparently was a bit of a bad boy in real life. There was, in fact, the scene in the commentary I was listening to, the director said it was just before the big scene where they're arguing over whether they're going to do the polygraph test. You know, they're kind of out there. They're outside. There's the three of them outside, and they're arguing over that, and they kind of get into a bit of a shoving match. He had been showing up late to filming pretty much every day, and that day in particular was kind of one of his big scenes, and he he was nowhere to be found. And so the director went to his trailer, basically banged on the door, came into his trailer and said, who do you think you are, that you are making everyone wait for you? You are not such a big shot that you he had all these other language for him, but he's like, who, who do you think you are? You know, shame on you for this and get out here right now. And so apparently he was just, livid with the director for having talked to him that way and so all of the anger that he's showing in that scene and kind of like how his he's like rocking back and forth and pacing back and forth like a caged animal the director said actually that was because he was really furious with me it wasn't just good acting it was he was very unhappy with me at that point he was they just went method with it right right very very method that's awesome Let's see. With Travis still missing, the loggers agree to a lie detector test. The results are deemed inconclusive for all except Dallas, uh, which fuels further suspicions. Five days later, they get a phone call, and Travis reappears. Uh, He is found naked and hiding uh, in a gas station um, somewhere miles away. Um, He's alive but traumatized. He's not in good health. His mind is fragmented and he doesn't really recall what happened he does start to get some flashbacks of the abduction they actually have a homecoming party for him and he starts to experience a a really intense flashback and then this is where we get the the kind of reminiscence of him being on the ship and kind of what happened to him and i actually wanted to play a little bit of that for you here real quick so this is this is him kind of recollecting what had happened to him And then the next thing I remember, I was being drugged through a hallway. Then I was lying on a table, and these scary aliens wanted to operate on me. And they had big heads and big black eyes. Dude, visitors. Totally. What? That wasn't a dream, Cartman. Those were visitors. No, it was just a dream. My mom said so. Visitors are real. Yeah, they abduct people and they mutilate cows. Ah, shut up, you guys. You're just trying to make me scared. Oh, was it the ones with the big long heads and the black eyes? Ah, they took them on their ship. Oh. Did they give you an anal probe? Ah, what's an anal probe? That's when they put this big metal hoopajou up your butt. Whoa, they gave you an anal probe, Cartman? No, I mean, <clears throat> why would they do that? So anyway. <laughs> that is outstanding. As I was saying. <laughs> as, as I was saying. <clears throat> oh, oh, man. Oh, my God. I, I love that show on so many levels. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was the original episode, wasn't it? Was. It was, yeah. It was the yeah. original episode. Like, of the that's, and that's the other thing. That show came out swinging, man. Oh, yeah. Those first couple I seasons remember... were some of the best comedy on television back then. Mm-hmm. I remember that was, was it second or third year in college? Yeah. And must have been 
must have been 30. I don't know what the heck, but it was several years into college. And I remember we all piled into this guy's house because this new show was coming out. Like, guys, mm-hmm. we gotta check this out. We gotta check out South Park. We're gonna check. And I remember just laughing until my sides hurt at that whole thing. Cause that's when the ships all showed up and they were all Klingon battle cruisers, right? And they chucked the rock at it and it, it like clink, right? I mean, yeah. wasn't that that one? Oh my gosh. So. And, and all the stuff with the cat. No kidding. That's a bad kidding. <laughs> that's right. And he, oh kept my having, God. he kept having the satellite that would come out of his butt. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. it was oh communicating with the, oh, right. God. <laughs> so good. You're right, Bo. That show came out swinging. Okay. So fire in the sky. During the homecoming oh, party, right. he's, <laughs> he's having some pretty intense flashbacks. And uh, some pretty terrifying experiences. He was trapped in this cocoon-like thing. He was exposed to these painful experiments and torture. And the other interesting thing from the director, he said that he wanted to make sure that in that scene, the aliens, even though they might have looked menacing, that he wanted to treat it as if, he wanted to pretend that, that these are aliens. They know nothing of humanity, and they don't have emotion. So they can't, when he's screaming... You know, they don't know what the screaming means. They're just going to continue on with their experiment because they have no clue that he feels something or that he's terrified. Or, in fact, in the commentary, he likened it to, he said, I'm, I'm treating these aliens as if they are polar bears. Because if you look at a polar bear from afar, it's this majestic, beautiful creature, you know, this this beautiful white creature up against the, the snowy backdrop. But if you get close to that thing and it's got these nine-inch claws it will maul you, and it mm-hmm. will not understand what your screams mean. So, it's true, and so, I think he did a really good job. Like, oh yeah, I know this is more for the deeper thoughts, but this was cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then, despite his kind of traumatic recounting, Lieutenant Waters is remaining skeptical about this. I mean, they spent a good portion of the movie believing that this was a murder investigation and implicating all the friends, and you know. Eventually, they kind of believe that maybe they're just making this up to try to become famous or get some money out of it or whatever. We do a time jump of two and a half years later. A very withdrawn Rogers is visited by Travis. He's now separated from his family, living by himself, trying to fulfill that ZZ Top fantasy with that beard. And he's visited by Travis, who now has the wife and children. And, you know, they kind of reconcile a bit between them and and then at the end, we kind of get the, the title cards that say in later on, Travis, Rogers, Dallas, they undergo other polygraph tests. They all pass them, kind of reasserting the fact that they, at least they all felt like they were telling the truth in this whole thing. So those are our major moments. And now it is time to, it's time to climb deeper into the spaceship here and go into some deeper thoughts. Let's probe some deeper thoughts, shall we? And now deep. All right. First question, did you like this movie? Yes. I did. Yeah, it was fun. It's a fun movie. It felt like an extended X-Files episode to me. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I, and I mean, it's about the same time period. It's And the X-Files dealt with stuff like this, so I think that's why that similarity was was an easy one for me to to see. Go ahead, Pat. You were gonna say something. No, I, I was gonna say I said it earlier, and you know, it it just it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it, and a lot of it seemed 
similar to things I've seen in other shows. You mentioned the X-Files. I think back to some Star Trek shows about them. You know, there was the one where they were all getting abducted off the ship. I thought that the cast really did a great job. I mean, having James Garner and the guy that was the general in Good Morning Vietnam, who's also he was the owner of the Dolphins in Ace Ventura. I forget the actor's name. But, I, but he was the town sheriff. I thought they did a great job of, of making their... How can you forget his name? It's like the coolest name ever. It's Noble Willingham. It, Noble Willingham. Yeah. Okay. So I, I thought they did a great job of, of, of just carrying that whole thing. I mean, it was like one of those you just love watching these guys bust and move on stage. So I really had fun with it. The only thing is I'm sitting here saying, hey, how fun it is, how fun it is. And, you know, I know it is about trauma that, Okay, whether we want to believe it or not or perceive it or not, it's supposed to be someone experienced trauma. So I, I, if there's anyone out there listening, I don't want to sound cruel and heartless by saying, yeah, that was awesome. But looking at it as a fictionalized account or a, a, a little bit more of a thriller type movie, I, I found it entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say I enjoyed it. There was... I was a little off-put by the ending of the movie because I felt like it ended too abruptly. Like we had mm-hmm. gone through yeah. the movie and we had spent the entire time with the the kind of the murder accusations. And then, and I didn't clock it, but I feel like it was probably about 10-ish minutes or so. Then we have the 10 minutes of being inside the ship and kind of his ordeal with that whole, that whole piece. And then really, I, I wanted to go back and look, but I didn't. Really, after that point, once he has that like traumatic recollection of everything, the movie ends not too long after that. Like we really don't have a whole lot of other action, or we don't have a whole lot of other stuff going on. We do that time jump, and all of a sudden, it's almost three years later, and now he has nothing, and his friend has everything. And there were just there were portions of how the movie ended, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I feel like there was supposed to be more to this movie, but. I, I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure if there's some kind of message. I'm not sure if there's some kind of, what am I supposed to get of this? Am I supposed to believe their story? And if so, why didn't we spend more time after he gets back interrogating him and him retelling the story? And I, I don't know. Yeah, it just seemed to end abruptly. Yeah, or is it a, or yeah. did they do that on purpose because it's a spinning top scenario? Right. Like, right. Which I hate. The spinning top scenario is used too much, even before it was the spinning top scenario. Right. Like, we'll do this so that people talk about it and wonder, but you know they had a, they had a plan when they started it. You could just tell us what that plan was. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially in a movie like this. Like, I don't know. It's a good movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but it's not like it's not Inception. Well, and knowing some some of the other stuff that I was reading on this is that the writers, the writers, the the director, everybody else, nobody believed Travis Walton's story. Like they didn't believe right. this was actually real. They believed it was a hoax. So you've got all the people making this movie believe that it's a complete hoax, and you don't really you don't take time on the back end to interrogate his recollection of what happened. Mm-hmm. Like I would have almost rather have seen him get abducted and then maybe like a third of the way through the movie, that's when he comes back. And then we spend a, a decent portion of the rest of the movie really trying to ask, maybe maybe keying in on his character, 
and being like, okay, instead of distrusting the friends for most of the movie and thinking it was a whole murder thing, maybe the distrusting of him and him, right. being, I mean, he's the subject of the whole thing. And yet we don't really, we don't really get an opportunity to get to know him post abduction. And all we end up seeing is a quick time jump. And now he's happy with a happy family and everything else. And that, to me, that was, while I enjoyed the movie, I, I was kind of left wanting by the end of it. And I was like, I really would have liked to have seen more on the back end of this rather than as much as we got of all the distrusting of the friends on the front end. I make, mm-hmm. And make the movie a little bit longer if you need to. I don't think you need to. I think you could have taken out some from the beginning and done a little bit less with the friends and given a little bit more time to the back end of the movie. But, yeah. I, I wanted to. I basically wanted to see more, more than just having some title cards go up at the end and tell me Animal House style how everybody ended up. Right. Mm-hmm. Senator yeah, and Mrs. Blutarski. <laughs> Senator and Mrs. Blutarski. <laughs> It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. President Plutarski. Oh, there you go. That'd be <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Maybe yeah. president of the Moose Lodge, Plutarski. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'm going to ask you guys a question kind of unrelated to the movie, but related to the topic. Why do you think people are so fascinated by the alien abduction stuff? Alien abduction, alien autopsy, Area 51, all that stuff. Like, why are, does it hold interest for you? And if yes or no, why do you think it does for other people? Why is it something that has been, why has it hung on for so many years? I think a lot of it is the we're not alone stuff. Like, a lot of people don't want us to be alone. And I get that. So I think anything that talks about the fact that we're probably not is always going to capture attention. Yeah. I think it ties into all the conspiracy. Oh no. They got, they got uh, Bo. It's part of the conspiracy. They I got Bo. The last thing before it cut is I think it ties into the conspiracy. Bam. Boom. Mm. Well, that was fun. This keyboard <laughs> has a lock button in a stupid place. <laughs> sure. Uh, it was the keyboard. That's part of the conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> Bo, I think that's blink it too. twice like, if you're in whole, trouble. Blink twice if you're okay, Bo. <laughs> Or if you're well, in no, trouble. that's, that's, okay, that's confusing. <laughs> Mixed <Okay>. messages. <laughs> Bo's having a seizure. <laughs> I think it just, it fuels all of those fires all at the same time, right? Yeah. yeah. We're not alone. The government's hiding things. They, they must know. It, it just, it, it hits so many buttons all at once. And I think that's why it just sucks people in. Yeah. And it has forever. It's, it's just crazy when you think about it. Yeah. All the way back to the War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Totally. Yeah. Like, here's, here's another semi-related random question. Why do you think the aliens don't want us to know about them? Like, all these accounts are all very secretive. Like, it's like they come pick somebody up and they drop them back off, and it's, it's unknown as to whether or not they've been spotted. Like, I kind of feel like at this point with the technology we have, we'd probably spot them. I would agree. But at the same time, why are they, if they're coming here, why are they so careful to stay so out of sight? And Well, there's the obvious first answer. Because they're illegal. Is that what you're trying to say? No. Right. Somebody said alien. She thought they said illegal alien and signed up. You want it to be that, right? You want them to be evolved and you want it to be a prime directive thing. Mm-hmm. But 
and I, I hate to take this this dystopian view of of our planet, but if you were observing us, would you want to talk to us most days? No. Yeah. I try not to observe people and I don't talk to them. No, this is I, what I'm talking about. I feel, I feel, like, feel like I feel like with the way Earth is going, it's like the scene in National Lampoon's Vacation where they're driving through the neighborhood and he's like, roll them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I'm just not sure that I would want to reveal myself to humans right now for fear that they would kill me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just yeah. seems like that's a good possibility. Mm-hmm. Based on the aliens in this movie, I'm a little worried about the what their prime directive might be. Indeed. I mean that was that was rough. <laughs> probe uh-huh. and continue to probe uh-huh. and probe some more. Mm-hmm. So what did you guys think? What did you guys think of that scene? Like the scene, I mean, that's kind of the memorable scene in this movie is the, I, I would think probably the two most memorable scenes are probably when he first gets hit by the beam of light and kind of gets knocked down by the ship. Cause that's what, what's, what's on all the posters. It's what's on the, the movie cover. And mm-hmm. then the scenes of him being experimented on is, I guess, maybe the nicest way to say it in the alien ship. And I guess kind of his exploration of the ship too, when he climbs out of his little, flesh pod or whatever we want to call that. Yeah. What do you, what'd you guys think about that? Like the, the construction of the alien ship and how they chose to show all that. I, I was very impressed with it. I, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like super cutting edge special effects and going to revolution it, but they didn't overreach. It was effective. It was practical and up all the feels that I think the movie was trying to give you it up the thrill it up the scare, the gore. And yeah, I, I dug it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I'd agree. I think they had a lot of fun with that. They did some, you know, just from a cinematic standpoint, I think they, I think they did it right. And what about the aliens themselves? Did you like we've seen a lot of movies with a lot of different kinds of aliens? How'd you feel about these aliens? I think they leaned into the classic gray alien in just the right ways, though. Like, I'm trying to think of the way to explain what I'm saying, but there's a certain for the time period the movie was set in, that was the type of alien everyone pictured, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That was yes. the stories coming out of Roswell. That was the alien autopsy nonsense. That was, that was all of that. And so I think for what they were trying to show and the story they were trying to tell, they were perfect. I also think less is more when it comes to a spooky alien sometimes. Like the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, they were completely dispassionate and they were just going about their business. I think that almost makes them scarier. It almost, almost like the Borg. Mm-hmm. The reason the Borg were so freaky was because they were essentially automatons. Mm-hmm. There was no, there was just doing, right. there was no reasoning with them because there wasn't any thought happening. You know, right. there's no sharing of an emotion because there wasn't emotions. Yeah. That's probably for me anyway. Yeah. I think you're hitting all the right 
beats there, Bo. I think I think it's I think you're hitting it right on the head with. Yeah, I I actually have two I have two stories that I was going to share because I think they're I think they're kind of interesting and I don't know I don't know the significance of of why for the story that kind of directly relates to me. I will say my grandmother always used to tell me a story, and the reason why this always stuck with me is because my grandmother was, she was not given to exaggeration. She was not giving to making things up. She, she was one of the most honest people I know. Just very, if she told you something, you could take it to the bank. You, mm-hmm. you knew she was, she was being honest, mm-hmm. being straight with you. I remember she always told me a story of, I think it was my grandpa was bringing my dad back from a football practice, like a high school football practice or something. They were driving up the road to the house. And as they were driving up the road, there was this flying object. She, she kind of described it as a flying object. She didn't even say it looked kind of flat and it was moving really weird. And it was kind of like following above them as they drove up the road. And then it kind of like went out over one of the fields by their house and hovered over a tree for a little bit and then zip, just zipped away and shot off. And I'm like, she, the mm-hmm. fact that she told, she's the one telling this story. I'm going, all right, that's creepy because grandma doesn't lie about stuff. So that's got me a little freaked out because, like, I, I, sure. thought, I thought this was all, like, TV movie stuff. But if she says that happened, then I, I have a tendency to be like, okay, maybe she saw something and she couldn't explain it and maybe it was something else. But that, that is enough to give me pause. The other thing, too, and I – it was before – and I had never seen this movie, so I didn't see this movie as a kid. I'm going to guess that probably my original – connection with this probably came from unsolved mysteries or one of those shows but as as a kid i used to have these very and i still do like from time to time in fact even just like a couple months ago i think i had the dream again i will have this dream from time to time even as a kid so as a kid i was driving the car but i am driving a car and i am in a wooded area dark road in a wooded area and as I'm driving along, there's no street lights. There's barely any moonlight at all. And all of a sudden, I start to feel like electricity or, or the air around me gets heavier. And all the electronics in the car flicker and shut off. So the, the radio shuts off. The car dies and just kind of rolls to a stop. Everything goes pitch black. And I start to feel like there is a presence that is then going to start pulling me out of the car. And like the air starts to get very staticky and, and very heavy, like I can feel the air pressing down on me. And then always when I wake up is when I'm starting to be lifted up out of this car by something that I can't see or can't describe or whatever. It is the freakiest dream. I continue oh, to sure. have it. When I, I had it when I was a kid. I feel like one of the first times I had it, I was probably 10, 11 years old. But I will have this dream like every, you know, every few months or so, every couple of years or so, like it's, it's something that, and it's the exact same dream. It, I recall it being the exact same dream I've had since I was a kid and it consistently freaks me out every single time. So then when we watch this movie and I'm getting the scene where, you know, the, the truck, you know, they stop the truck, he gets out, he's hit by the beam of light and the electronics in the truck go out. And I'm sure that there was an episode of, you know, unsolved mysteries or something like that, where they told almost the same story and probably had the same imagery but it, it is a, every time I have this dream, no matter how old I am, it is freaky. Sure. So these, these movies do freak me out a bit. No kidding. It's a good start wow. to October. 
You, what was that? It's a good start to October. Yes, it is. Indeed. All right. Did you guys have anything else before we jump into three questions? Not me. It was a good movie. It's a fun movie. Like thrillers, if you like alien movies, you'll you'll like it. Yeah, was this the first time we all saw it? Did we talk about that and I missed it? I think so. Was it the first time? Yeah, it the first okay. time I saw it. I just wasn't sure if Pat. I know you said you had, but had you seen it before, Pat? First time for me too. First time? Okay, right on. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I had not. First time. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think definitely if you're a fan of the X-Files and you want to check this one out, definitely give this one a shot because it's it really does feel... And I think having Robert Patrick in it, who later on would go into... And, and I think that's part of the reason he was hired on in the X-Files in the later seasons was because of this movie. So if That you wouldn't are, surprise me. Yeah. So if you are a fan of the X-Files, I would definitely check this one out because it is, it's got very much the mid-90s UFO conspiracy kind of vibe to it. So, yeah, definitely go check that out. All right, it is time. For three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. What were they, cycles? We all go a little mad sometimes. Quit pro quo. I tell you things, you tell me things. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? You really look deep in thought. So I'll ask you the questions, and then we'll see, all right? All right. Question number one. Our question is a two-parter. What is your favorite movie with unfriendly extraterrestrials? And then what is your favorite movie with friendly extraterrestrials? You know, I could have spent a lot of time hemming and hawing over this, but I, I went, you can call it the easy way out, or I, I think I just went with my gut, and it was, bam, got to answer right away. But, Bo, before I start talking more, I think I interrupted what you were going about to say. He's the conspiracy folks keep getting him. Oh, they got him. They got him again. So, yeah, I, I, I can't have that one. It's a quote Forrest Gump. That's all I had to say about that. It's like the conspiracy people keep getting bow. It's like they putting the black bag over his head, but this is the Zoom equivalent. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, I blipped out, so I missed what Patrick said. So if I double it, I apologize. I don't think Patrick said anything. I think he was worried he had interrupted you. So Oh, no, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> go ahead, no, Pat. You go Do ahead. your thing. No, no, I insist. You go. Because oh. I'm just rambling. I got nothing to add. I've been... Mentally, I, I was abducted by aliens. Yeah, this, and I'm, I, so, I'm I feel like I feel like Switzerland sitting in between a uh, Canadian civil war here. <laughs> eh? <laughs> no, you go. But I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You I'm go, so go sorry. <laughs> it's low hanging fruit, but gosh, Independence Day is a classic. Yeah, man. When he <laughs> when he takes that ship down in the desert, he opens it up and he says, "Welcome to Earth," <laughs> and he socks him one. You're like, yeah. And then when he's dragging through the desert and he goes, and what's that smell? <laughs> like, uh, come on. And then they are nasty aliens. They're going to take the whole world because they want our resources. But man, we mm -hmm. got them. Mm -hmm. That's what matters. We got them. Yeah. So I've got honorable mentions, but I don't want to step on anyone's toes. So I'll let you guys. Patrick, what you got? Uh, it's mine for the, the two-parter question, right? 
Can, can I just go ahead and answer both parts? Yeah, go for it. Star Trek and Star Wars, and they can be interchanged. Right. I I tried to think of, I tried to, pre, and, and then I'm like, it took me 30 seconds, and I'm like, I'm reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. I love watching Star Wars. I love watching Star Trek. There's bad aliens. There's good aliens. They, I mean, they really, they really explore it from all different, sometimes they're the ones getting abducted by the aliens. Sometimes they're the ones that are observing. So I guess I'm talking more Star Trek now, but then I love Star Wars and it's adventure in space and there's good aliens and bad aliens. And I'm, yeah, I I, I have to use those two interchangeably. Remember that next gen episode where they kept getting abducted out of the enterprise yeah. night whatever or night trip and then they all went to the holodeck and started describing their issues and they got to that table yep. that, mm-hmm. that wasn't that much more it wasn't really less intense than this movie i mean this movie was pretty intense but i mean for star trek that was pretty freaky but then i remember remember they gave Riker. i'm spoilers for next gen everybody they gave Riker that thing that it didn't put him under. So when he got abducted, he was awake and he pulled out the phaser and just started taking all the, he just started uh-huh. blasting away. I thought that was, I thought that was, uh, that was a feel good moment in that particular episode. But yeah, for me, the two part is really easy. Star Trek, Star Wars, and you can switch them back and forth. Nice. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. If I'm going to go with my, my top for good aliens, it's, this is a hard one for me. Cause I've got a long list. And I've been I've been going back and forth, but I'm going with a childhood favorite, Spaced Invaders. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. That is such a goofy movie. I know. Prepare to die, or scum. Prepare yeah, to die, or scum. Die. I'm gonna make sure they carve that on your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. When did we do that one? We did. I loved yeah. it. It's so good. I'm trying to remember what it was. I'll. I'll, I'll look it up and I'll, if I can. Vandroid. That one. And what was the, have we done Suburban Commando yet? Yeah, we did that one. Yeah. It's a nice yeah. place to live, but I wouldn't want to visit. Yeah. Yeah. Prepare to die. Earth scum was episode 313. There you go. So check it out. If you want to hear us talk about space invaders. Okay. So for mine, my two parter, mine goes back to an old favorite. We watched this a ton when I was growing up. And you might, anybody listening to this who knows who knows me and knows some of my preferences would be like, yeah, he's going to mention Alien or it's going to be Predator or it's going to be something like that. I am actually going to go back to an old favorite that we watched over and over again. And as a child, it terrified me. And I still love watching it even now. I'm going to go with the 1954 version of War of the Worlds. Nice. Oh. So War of the Worlds was one of my honorable okay. mentions because so classic. Yeah. So good. And, and honestly, I, I'd go back, I'd go to the radio drama. Yeah. Or no 50, visuals 50, needed. Just, I'm sorry. It wasn't, it was 53, not 54. Just talk to me, man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So good. So that is my unfriendly and unfriendly aliens. Cause I, and I still vividly remember, you know, the scene of that, that like long necked, thing coming into the house and having like the three mm-hmm. eyes on it and the and, and then the scenes of everybody huddled in the church and then the aliens at the end the martians at the end coming out of their ship and just being this slimy decaying hand that just flops out of the ship because spoiler, mm. spoiler alert they're all dying yeah i absolutely you don't that. say yeah and then favorite movie with friendly extraterrestrials i'm gonna go i'm gonna narrow it down and say man of steel Mm, good um, call. But you could just say any Superman yep. movie if you want. 
Yep. Yep. I mean, he even, he even says it like, who are you? I'm a friend. So clearly he's Mm -hmm. friendly extraterrestrial. Number two, what is the most memorable capture or torture scene in film or TV? Reservoir dogs. Oh yeah. The ear. Yeah. But I, I, I came up with a few more after I thought about it, but that was the first one that popped mm. into my head, probably because we didn't watch it all that long ago. Okay. But it definitely is one that deserves a, a, a mention. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, well, there's one that I'm going to be shocked if one of you doesn't mention, but I'm going to wait and see what Pat says. <laughs> I know what it is. You know what it is? I think anyway. You know what Pat says? No, I, I, I no, no, I know maybe. what I know what John's thinking. Oh, 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 yeah. oh okay. And, and that's At not, least I think not, I do. Well, and it's not my top pick. I just I feel like I'm going to be shocked if somebody doesn't say it. Mm-hmm. But Patrick, go ahead. All right. Well, not torture. Well, not necessarily torture, but capture the Great Escape. I I like when they that when they get out of there and they're chasing all those guys and they're all trying to get away and some do and some don't and of course that most incredible one of the greatest scenes in movie history the motorcycle chase where they uh, go after Virgil Hills and you know they capture him and I, I just I guess you could say they try to torture him because they put him in the cooler but he gets there with his baseball and he's just it ends with him doing that I I just <clears throat> I love that movie very much and if you're talking about captures I figure that's my opportunity to talk about it so there you go I was a little surprised. I thought somebody was going to go the chair torture scene in Casino Royale. Yeah. Well, let's not forget there are four lights. Well, there's that, right? Mm-hmm. Clockwork Orange. The yes, the ones, the ones that I actually wrote down, and I would say most memorable because it's it's one of the ones that I think I've watched more often than the other one. I'm going to say the torture at the end of Braveheart. Mm, when he's okay. being tortured and, and ultimately executed. The one that is the hardest to watch is The Passion of the Christ. I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys saw that movie when it came out, but that was, yep. I, I remember seeing that in the theater and yeah, that was rough. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've wanted to, I've wanted to go back and rewatch that movie, but I, I ha- and I think I own a copy of it, but I actually have a hard time going back and rewatching it because of just how brutal and, visceral that whole section of the movie is i recall that they put out i feel like they put out a different version of the movie a year or two after it had been in theaters where it was less violent like it was almost like a pg-13 version of the movie and i i wish i could find that one but i'm like i think i tried to watch it last easter and i was like yep yeah i think i can maybe skip ahead a few parts because yeah it's um a little little more intense than i want to want to do right now all right, question three. I was told before we started recording that I needed to apologize for the, and I'm getting looks. Okay, this is uh, this is what my daughter refers to as bombastic side eye, is what I'm getting mm. from all of you. I'll give you some of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, what is the meaning of this question? What is the meaning of this crude interruption? So, I just want to clarify before we answer it. Yeah. Have you asked the question yet? I don't even know. No, I haven't asked the question yet. I'm All right, so question. ask the question, right. and then I can ask my clarifying question. All right. Favorite alien spaceship design. Okay. <sighs> alien, meaning not... Alien an- as in not manufactured or made by humans from Earth. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah. 
where shall I begin? <laughs> Allow now, me if, to retort. <laughs> indeed. Now, if we're looking at straight alien races. Well, they don't have to be. <laughs> wow. You're, you're good. You're good. I'll give you alien, that one. You should hear yourselves. The very name is <laughs> <The racist. alien. laughs> Welcome to 30 something movie podcast. The uh, homo sapiens um, only club. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two out there to start with, and we can we can mention a ton more, I'm sure. But the Vorlon ship from Babylon Five was amazing. Okay, I will I will interrupt mm. for just a moment. My my lovely wife, who you know, texted me and said, "That's really the question you went with." <laughs> yeah, she gets it. Yeah, she gets it. You're even being called. She's even calling you. Out. I know. I know. Get and it, from Star Trek: from The Next sides. Generation, yeah, I realized I went with two TV shows, but the Romulan to Derek's battleship. I gotta go with my guys from Greatest Gen, man. The Double D is an amazing design yeah. and super cool. Yeah. I have some more, but I don't want to take them all. Yeah. <laughs> when that Romulan ship came out, when Next Generation oh, first hit the air, my you know, God. it was like, wow, that is so cool. Like someone really did their work on that on that design. I mean, that really captured, that was pretty captivating when that my, shit came my out. My favorite model set that I ever put together was a set that I bought over in England because we, one of our after school clubs was a model building club. And that's where I got introduced to like the Warhammer 40,000 stuff. Um, but the first model I ever built in that club was a boxed set of three ships from Star Trek. It was a, what am I, it was probably it was at least a foot long. It was a foot long model of the Enterprise D. It was a foot long model of the Romulan Warbird. And there was a, I want to say like a maybe three or four inch model of a Ferengi battlecruiser. And the, I mean, that Warbird was massive. Even the, in that, that model felt huge. And it was just, it was it's a so big cool boy. Those. Yeah. And so cool looking, just the whole design mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agonized over this a bit too. As you should have. As you should. I know. It's I know. Um so originally I was kind of going back and forth and was like, well, I do like the Serenity from Firefly. It's a fun little ship. Agreed. There's the Millennium Falcon, the X Wing, the any any one of those. I do, I, I really, I'm a huge fan of Aliens, so I love the Sulaco from Aliens, mm-hmm. the Nostromo from Aliens, like any of the Alien ship, I, I love all those ships. I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say though, is that count as an alien ship? Because those were. Well, you're right. Yeah. Because they're built by humans. So it wouldn't be, wouldn't be an alien ship. So the, the ones that I kind of narrowed it down to is I, and I let this one a little bit of a spoiler for Battlestar Galactica, but I did not count this one as human, but Battlestar Galactica, the actual Battlestar Galactica ship, the Cylon Raiders, I always thought those were kind of fun. Yeah, uh, especially in the new one. Yeah, yeah. Like all the ship designs from the new one. I, I'll, I'll take any of those. But my absolute favorite, my all-time favorite, and I had a model of this one too, will always be the Klingon Bird of Prey. Mm-hmm. The HMS Bounty? Sure. Yep. And any ship that comes with its own recognizable soundtrack is always good. Correct. Yeah. 
I it it doesn't matter to me. I mean, it it can be Burrell class or it can be Cavort class. I really don't care. You're a non-choosy kind of guy. I'm not. I mean, they were choosy moms choose Cavort, but that's okay. But that's they were just such cool designs. Yeah, they were just really cool designs. And and built and designed for speed, stealth, and just badassery, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, we were talking about the Romulan, that thing is big. It is yeah. just powerful. Mm-hmm. Those bird of praise, man, just designed to be badass little ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. Yeah. All right, gents, that's going to do it. Uh, for this episode, we are the 30-something movie podcast. You can find us at 30podcast.com, at 30podcast on most of the different social medias, although who knows what's out there now. We we are pretty much everywhere. You can find us at just about anywhere that there is a social media thing, whether they are renaming themselves or not. Our next episode, so we are starting off the month of October. It's our horror month. This was Fire in the Sky. Next week will be Hocus Pocus, then Needful Things, then Judgment Night, then Leprechaun, the Patreons for this month are Something Wicked This Way Comes, and the Patreon shorts are It Started in 93 with Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., and It Ended in 93. Cheers. And then November is Thanks for the Laughs Month. It's our comedy month. We have got So I Married an Axe Murderer, Dazed and Confused, Wayne's World 2, Grumpy Old Men, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and then our Patreons are King Kong from 1933. Patreon shorts are It Started in 93, the X-Files, and it ended in 93 with Quantum Leap. That's it for this episode of the 30-something movie podcast. Make sure you head over to our website, 30podcast.com, where you can find all the different ways you can interact with the show. Leave us a voicemail, a rating. You can join us on Patreon and get bonus content. Uh, There are some great ways to interact with us as the hosts and to find all of our past episodes, 30podcast.com. We've got some great episodes coming up for the rest of this month and in the near future, so make sure that you check out our different social media feeds to see what we've got coming out soon. Everybody, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Be excellent to each other, and go watch some good movies. See you back here next time.